you stand with me for the reading of the passage today? We're not going to be in the book of Ephesians. Uh, we'll probably be back there next week, but today we're in Psalm 29. Psalm 29, a psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, all cry, glory. Amen. I like that uh, chiming in. <laughs> the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. This is the good word of God. Please be seated. Amen. <clears throat> well, church, what can we say this morning about the week that we've all been through? And, and uh, it's, it's good, particularly after a week like this, that we gather together as God's people and worship the Lord and look into his word and see what he's got to say. Now, I know that many of you had flood damage. I've asked a lot of you on the way in, and fortunately, most of you are answering me that you were dry, but I know that many of us did have flooding in our homes, and, and as your pastor, I, my heart hurts for you. It goes out for you, and that's the way we all feel. We are a church, a family, and a body, and we care, and we want to help. I'll say a little bit more about that later. Most of you know that our own campus here got flooded. Um, when Spring Creek at the Gosling Bridge overflows, it, it has a pathway that it really lacks through the back of our campus. And uh, it took that path this week. And that means all the portables in the back that you see on the screen, they, they got wet in one way or the other. We've got three permanent buildings here. And the third one, the staff building, it got about six inches of, of, of rain. But the student building and this building... Uh, the water got within inches, but it didn't get up here, so yay God for that. We're glad to have that dry. On uh, Wednesday of this past week, uh, we put some notice on social media, and many of you came up to help. Uh, it was so exciting to me to, to see about 200 people in our building just uh, you know, mopping and cleaning and ripping out carpets and that kind of thing. Uh, thank you for doing that. Uh, also, I know that so many of you were in neighborhoods. Uh, maybe your own neighborhood, maybe other neighborhoods helping out this week. And let me just say, way to go, church. Way to go. You should be aware that the pastors in the Woodlands area, the One Mission Church, it felt like it was just one church. It felt like it was one congregation. We had such a bond between us, such a sense of we're in this together. Uh, in fact, the texting with the pastors this week was a little overwhelming. At times, I had to opt out of the conversation because it was just too much. But in communication all week, 
I was on a conference call on Friday with some of the leaders in our city. It's going to be that sort of thing going on throughout the city. Uh, God is going to use this to leverage His church as one church more than ever before in Houston's history. That's already happening, and that will happen. Uh, you know that uh, the entire nation, um, uh, much of the world has been watching Houston and, and a little bit dumbstruck with, okay, what do you do about that? all that compassion and courage that's going on? Just, you know, they, they don't have, you know, kind of how to process that. It was really striking. Um, I had a friend, Bill Hall, who's a, a writer and a speaker. Bill said, I think they were silently worshiping and they didn't even know it by their, by their being dumbstruck. Um, you know, uh, we have been praying for five years that Houston would become a great city of God. Um, we're not that yet, but we took a big stride last week. Um, the, the, there have been some of us who have been praying for revival in Houston for decades. And um, uh, the, y'all should know this. There is a prayer network in Indonesia with about a million intercessors who for the last 10 years have prayed daily for revival in Houston. Isn't that something? And, um, you know, maybe no wonder that we've seen the kind of responses uh, of love and compassion and courage that we've seen in Houston this week. Now, we're a long way from revival, but maybe uh, we've taken some big steps, and this is our opportunity as the people of God, as the church of Jesus Christ, to to step up, uh, to love one another, to love people more than ever before in our history. And we need to be very clear that we thank God for any organization that is helping this week. And there are lots of organizations, you know, FEMA, Red Cross, all kind of good organizations. God bless them. But it is only that the church of Jesus Christ can reach beyond the physical needs, and there will be more floods. So this is not the last physical day. But we, as the church of Jesus Christ, we can reach beyond and deeper than the physical needs to give people what they really need, the hope and life in Jesus Christ, which is found in no other place. That is what we bring to the table. And so church, step up to the plate. More than ever, uh, this uh, yesterday afternoon about 4 o'clock, I'm reminded of seeing Conrad there, the Van Oost in our church, are in a very flooded neighborhood on the other side of Kirkendall with Creekside, just flooded. Some of you live there. And they've been helping all week. And I was talking to Mary yesterday. Uh, Gail had a bunch of food to take over. And uh, she has such peace in her heart because she knows the hope of Jesus Christ. One of the things that she did was she uh, went door to door to her neighbors and said, hey, at 4 o'clock, we're going to pray out in front of our house. And uh, they did. I showed up because, uh, you know, to check out part of that, uh, that thing. And they, they moved in the house because it was so hot, the empty living room. And, and uh, I said a few things from the Bible, read a scripture passage. Uh, Conrad even led a song at the end. We, uh, we prayed together. And there were Christians, non-Christians, folks from various churches, uh, people who didn't know Christ at all, never darkened the door of a church. They're seeking the Lord. And, and you know, not everybody's a Mary Van Oost, but... But all of us are going to have some God opportunities in the coming weeks and months, and we just need to be alert to what the Spirit of God does and bring, brings in our world. So church, this is our opportunity to love somebody and to help our city become more and more a city of God for the, for the, for the glory of the Lord. Now, um, this is what I want to do this morning. All week we have been inundated with everybody's thoughts about Hurricane Harvey. But what does God have to say? 
about natural disasters like Hurricane Harvey. As Christ followers, it is essential that we think biblically and think Christianly when these sort of disasters come. And this morning, that's what we're going to do. And, and, and some of this stuff this morning, you'll be able to drip on your neighbors, whether Christians or non-Christians. So just, this is the sort of thing. You probably won't set them down and, and give them the, the whole 30 minutes, but, but you'll be able to drip uh, God's perspective upon uh, people in your world all week. Number one, I've got five biblical principles. Number one, the Father is still on His throne. I walked in. I'd been in the back. We were singing about God is sovereign, and you were just singing with all your hearts. Amen to that. That's where I start with natural disasters. The Father is still on His throne. He is the King. He is the Lord. He is in charge, and nothing shakes that. That passage I read earlier in Psalm 29, did it not begin by saying, Ascribe to the Lord. O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Lord, 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 Lord. He's the Lord. Eighteen times in 11 verses, He's the Lord. He's King. In fact, a little bit later on in verse 10, we read it explicitly. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood the Lord sits enthroned as king forever. He's enthroned. This Bible, every page of it assumes or states that Jesus Christ is king. Every page of this book assumes or it states explicitly that our God is the sovereign king ruling over the universe. If God was not sovereign, if he was on his throne, he would not be God. It is part of the godness of God. He has all power. He rules. He reigns. He does whatever he chooses, of course, or he's not even God. Some years ago, I read a book about um, a hurricane in 1935 off of the coast of New England, which was an immense hurricane. And it was a Sebastian Younger book called The Perfect Storm. Many of you know it from the movie, the George Clooney movie that came out later. But reading in the book, I come across this about a hurricane and the power in it, because the power goes with sovereignty. He said a mature hurricane is by far the most powerful event on earth. The combined nuclear arsenals of the United States and the former Soviet Union don't contain enough energy to keep a hurricane going for one day. A typical hurricane encompasses a million cubic miles, cubic miles of atmosphere and could provide all the electric power needed by the United States for three or four years. All the nuclear arsenals that we've had, immense power, not one day could it sustain us in electricity. Hurricane Harvey, three or four years. Friends, we're talking about real power here. And that power, that's in one of many hurricanes that we're going to have each year on one little planet in one little solar system in one galaxy out of a hundred billion plus galaxy, our, uh, our God is so much bigger and more powerful than all the hurricanes put together. God is the sovereign, holy, infinite God. He is so big. He is so big. And so let's just start by reminding ourselves that God is on his throne. We're not shaken. God is is on his throne. He's the king. Did we not uh, pray right at the start of the Lord's Prayer, Lord, may your kingdom come. 
At the end of that prayer, did we not pray? Getting a little carried away here. (laughs) At the end of that prayer, did we not pray? Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Does not the, 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 the Bible end with the book of Revelation? And the main point of Revelation is not all of the obscure imagery and prophecy that none of us fully understand. Do you know what the point of the book of Revelation is? It is this. Jesus Christ reigns. Jesus Christ rules. Jesus Christ is the king. That's the message of the final book of the Bible. So, be still and know that I am God. That I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. That should be on the passage, if you don't mind. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Could you say that with me, please? Full voice. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Number one, the Father is on his throne. Number two, this world is bent. We do not live in Eden anymore. I'm quite confident there was never a hurricane in Eden. I don't even think there were mosquitoes in Eden. We don't live in Eden. We live in a post-fall, sin-soaked, pain-filled world. And we are not in heaven yet. We don't live in Eden anymore. We're not in heaven yet. Uh, But we live in a world in rebellion against God. And there's all kind of pain, suffering, trials, and disasters, including hurricanes on the Texas Gulf Coast. Now, we expect it. We're not surprised, caught off guard, that there's great suffering. We expect it. Jesus Christ said, John 16, in the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. Do you know when he said that? Right before, he had the agony of Gethsemane, and he was beaten to a pulp and brutally crucified on a cross. And he said, in this world you have tribulation. Take courage. I have overcome the world. And in the midst of our pain and suffering of whatever kind, we remind ourselves of the words of Jesus. I have overcome the world. And one day, he's going to come back. And because he died on on that cross and paid for our sins and and, uh, provided forgiveness, he's going to come back and he's going to make all things new. And he's going to put down all opposition and evil. He's going to restore everything the, the way it was better than ever. There will be no more pain, no more tears, no more heartache, no more hurricanes, no more flooding. Uh, This world is bent. And so we expect, we're not only not surprised, but we expect there to be problems and challenges. And yes, there will be more hurricanes on the Texas Gulf Coast. We're not surprised or caught off guard. But he is going to put an end one day. And the world is not our real home. Heaven is our home. It's our home. Number three. Secondly, is the world is bent. Thirdly, God will be faithful every step of the way. Now, again, this is the sort of things you can drip on your friends and neighbors, Christians and non-Christians. God will be faithful every step of the way. He's not only sovereign, almighty, powerful, but he cares. He's good. He's faithful in all his ways. Now, here's a basic mistake that people make, even people in the church. 
that is, with the pain and the heartache and the suffering of, of life. They confuse the pain of the world and, and attribute stuff to God, that, uh, the unfairness and cruelty that does not belong to God. The world is unfair. It's broken. The world is cruel, but not God. God is not unfair, and God is not cruel. He is completely fair, kind, good, and faithful in every way. Never confuse this world and God. God, in fact, is not only good, but He will take the evil that's in the world, caused by the sin of the flesh and the devil, including us, He will take the evil in the world and redeem it and bring good out of it. There is the great promise of Romans 8, 28. Those of you who are flooded this week, this is, this is for us. Romans 8, 28. And we know, it's not we think, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Did that not say God causes all things to work together for good? I mean, that's a remarkable promise. Think about this. What was the greatest sin in all history? This is what it was. When God himself came to this planet to die in love for his people and they murdered him. Or shall I say, because of my sin, we murdered him. That, friends, is the greatest crime in history. And God took that greatest sin and he brought the greatest good in history, the salvation of his people. I mean, that's what God does. He is redeeming God. If you got flooded this week, God will redeem it. Trust Him. Trust Him to do so. And in all of our suffering and pain. We do not judge the Father's love for us by whether or not our house got flooded. We judge our Father's love for us by a blood-stained cross. Uh, we expect tribulations, trials, no surprise. Um, but we know the heart of the Father because of the blood-stained cross. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. God, at the end of your life, you will see it when you get to heaven. Oh, God was so faithful and good to me every step of the way. People of faith, see it now. See it now by faith. That's the fourth one. Fourth principle, because God is faithful, we can trust Him. Not only can we trust God, He is the only one that we can trust. Can you trust the U.S. economy? No. Can you trust the U.S. government? No. Thank God for it, but we can't, can't trust it. Can we trust the weather to be good? No. The only sure foundation of our faith and hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, that is the message that only the church can bring to this world. And so it is incumbent upon us to both live it by our lives and to speak it with our words, that our only hope is in Jesus Christ. He is faithful. He is good. This doesn't mean that we will understand what God does or why He allows. Or, you know, why did my house get flooded right across the street? My neighbors out here. We don't understand so much. But that's the nature of faith that when we don't understand, we still decide, I'm going to trust my God. Isn't that what Proverbs 3, 5 says? Which is, in my, my judgment, the greatest passage on living by faith in the whole Bible isn't that what it says? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Hey, when you don't understand, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. 
Friends, God is looking for people right now in Houston, Texas. His much-loved children who, though we don't understand, we will trust our God. We will trust Him. Doesn't mean you have, don't have questions, you don't have struggles, you don't have doubts, you don't have tears, but Lord, I will trust you through the tears. This morning I got a text, I think it was last night, from uh, Bruce Wesley. Bruce Wesley leads a church like, much like Wood's Edge and uh, Clear Lake. They had a lot of flooding, and uh, he's a good friend. Bruce and I give a lot of leadership to the church planning in Houston and some other things. And he sent me this text from a man in his church in his 30s, married, two kids. They had four feet of water in their house, lost everything, lost three cars. And this is what he wrote in the aftermath. And this is what Proverbs 3, 5 means. He said, there are those who have the privilege of living through the past. And there are others who lose the privilege in an instant. Through tornado, fire, or in our case, flood, all tangible evidence of a man's history gets wiped away like ink on a dry erase board. No more wedding photos, baby pictures, or home videos. No childhood toys. No trophies or medals. No quilts hand-sewn by a great-grandmother. Love letters from a sweetheart or treasured keepsakes. With no surviving bedrooms, heirlooms, to pass down to the next generation, the only surviving gift to your spouse, family, and friends is legacy. It's the living, breathing memories you share with one another. So experience life together. Show your children the resilience necessary to rebuild after disaster strikes. Let them sense the buoyancy of support from churches and community volunteers who serve selflessly in time of need. Then after the tears have been shed and your physical and emotional reserves are depleted, laugh together again, pray with one another, share meals together, discover destinations, create powerful memories with your loved ones to counteract the searing pains of loss. The inability to touch your past will always linger as a regret, but don't stop pressing forward. Don't hesitate to forge an enduring legacy that overcomes hardship and presses forward to a new and better day. That is someone who lost everything. And two little girls saying, that doesn't matter. I will trust my God. I will, be a new I will build a legacy uh, with my wife of a man and woman who show what it means to live by faith. Friends, that is your calling. And that is my calling. No matter how life uh, challenges us at times, and we will all have challenges. Recently, I've been reading in the book of Lamentation, which is not my favorite book. Lamentations, you know what that word means? That means wailings. Oh, you know, mournings, grievings, wailings. It's a, a morose book, but right in the middle. In 321 and 22 is this burst of sunlight where we read, and you know it, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Number four, because God is faithful, we can trust Him. Trust Him, church. Trust Him. Number five, a natural disaster is a great kingdom opportunity. In fact, any crisis is God's crisis. It's, it's God's opportunity for the kingdom. I remember reading years ago, C.S. Lewis, in the midst of World War II and all the tragedy, millions and millions dying, 
And he said, you know, one of the good things about war is that people think about issues of life and death and God. And I thought, yep, that's true. And that is true to some extent with any disaster. We have seen again and been reminded that our stuff won't last. That, um, that life is fragile. That our only hope is in God who transcends this world. We just are reminded. And natural disasters give us that. This is our opportunity to be the church like never before. This is our opportunity. This is the time for us to be the hands and feet of Jesus like never before. This is a time to, for us to live out the parable of the Good Samaritan like never before. Love your neighbors yourself. This is the time for us to live out Matthew 25 about as you treated those people, so you treated me. As you treated the people who are hungry, naked, strangers in prison, flooded, so you treated me. This is the time that we can serve, care, give, hug, pray, smile, reach out like never before. This past week, I heard a remarkable story of a, a woman in our church, Vanessa Summers. This is the story. She lives down in Cypress Wood, apparently really hit hard with flooding. She and her husband, Phil, five sons, part of our church family. She and Phil walk out their front doors. The waters are rising. She sees a neighbor. How can I help? He, he actually needed a place to do laundry or charge his phone or something, and, and that sort of spread through the neighborhood. I guess the other homes were so wet they didn't have electricity. They came to her house as the station all week to to recharge their phones, and to do their laundry. That spread to people bringing uh, all kind of goods to her house, food, supplies, diapers, and they became a great distribution center. By the end of the week, in the seven-day period, she had uh, had, the Summers had had 1,500 people come through their house. Interviewed on ABC News, they, she, she said, hey, let's just have a church service out here in the green area on Sunday morning. Uh, when it looked like they would have up to 1,500 people uh, for that, the Neighborhood Association said, we can't handle that. Uh, you can't do that. So they moved it to their backyard, and, and real soon they will begin with our student pastors, um, about 200 people in their backyard. I bet more will crowd in. Um, friends, this is the time for us to step up to love somebody. And, and I'm not Vanessa Summers, and, and you may not be either, but... There is somebody that you can love on your street, in your neighborhood, or across the way. And be sensitive to the opportunities that God opens up. Randy Mormon in our church right over there, um, he told me this story. He's got a neighbor. They're non-Christians. And um, a bunch of people came over to help their house. They got flooded uh, like their whole area in Timuron did. And they got flooded, and a bunch of woods edgers and friends came over one day, and, and the, the neighbor, the non-Christian neighbor, didn't have anybody come over. He, he just came to Randy the other day and said, who were those people? And he explained they were from a church, and they, they came back the next day, all, a bunch of helpers, and Randy took about half of them or some of them and sent them over to the neighbor's house. And all day, they cleaned up and took out carpet and took down sheetrock and helped the whole day. And at the end of the day, his neighbor friend came over to his house and said with tears in his eyes, they may forget what they did, but I will never forget what they did. Friends, this is your opportunity, and this is my opportunity to love people. Pray, take a meal, invite a neighbor in for dinner, uh, 
give extra. We've had a number of folks across the nation say, hey, hey, can we give through your church? And uh, one church in, uh, or one individual never darkened our door, sent $50,000. You, if you didn't get flooded, you may want to write a check beyond your regular tithe because we got lots of folks in our church and in this community who've, got, who've lost everything or lost tons, many of whom don't have flood insurance. And if you want to help, you can do that. Certainly, church, let's be alert to pray over people. Uh, that's a great thing for us to do uh, all the time, and we know that here, but, but this time particularly. You see somebody, whether or not you know them, maybe a stranger, a clerk at HEB or a neighbor, and just simply say, hey, if God could do anything in your life, what would it be? And, and, and pray right then for them. Uh, people are like that. They appreciate that, particularly at a time like this. If you are here this morning and you had a particularly tough week, you got flooded or something, please don't leave this morning without letting us pray over you. The prayer partner is at the end. Please don't leave without letting us pray over you. What is Woods Edge going to do organized as a church? Well, mainly this is what we're doing is we're loving the people that God brings in our lives, like examples I've already shared, and I know there are a thousand more of those. But as a church, we are going to focus on two things. We're going to focus on giving out meals and mudding out houses. There is a disaster relief team out of Orlando, Florida that specializes in hurricane relief. They will arrive today, 10 or 15 people, for two or three weeks. They will set up in our parking lot, and we will have 1,000 meals a day or so that will be taken to needy areas that really had a lot of floods. You know, whether or not it's Timuron, Northampton, Five Oaks, uh, we're, we're seeking the Lord on where to do that, and you may want to come and help us do that. We will also be training teams twice a day to go out to mud out and to muck out. This isn't over yet. Uh, in fact, we got months to go, at least six months, uh, maybe a year in some ways. The experts say that the full recovery of Katrina took 12 years. Uh, we're in this for the long haul. And um, this team is going to come in, teach us what to do in a few weeks, and we will continue. Uh, but we're going to focus on meals and muck out teams. You can sign up on a table out in the foyer. In fact, there are two tables on the foyer to sign up on. You can also go on our website. But there's two tables, and one of those tables says, I can help. And you can sign up to help in various ways. The other table says, I need help. That's for those of you who had flooded homes and stuff. Now, there are only two tables. One, I can help, and the other one, I need help. There's not a third table for sitting on the couch. <laughs> Everybody needs to sign up to help in one way or the other. And I know that most of you have been doing that, but we want to press in. We want to live that out. Friends, this is your opportunity. Do you know that you are most alive when you are serving people and loving people for Jesus Christ's sake? Do you know that the biggest homes, the, the most famous celebrities of Hollywood, they don't have any real peace and joy in their hearts because of that wealth? Do you know who has the wealth? The Mother Teresas of the world. That's the true wealth. The peace and the joy that gives yourself in loving and serving people for Jesus Christ. And we, as the church, can bring the real needs that people need, the hope and love of Jesus Christ. Friends, Doug McCary sitting right in the front row here. Doug, stand up, look around. This is Doug McCary. You don't need to clap. Uh, I got limited time here. Doug, please stand up like a, you know, like a regular guy. Come on, stand up, turn around. All right, this is Doug McCary. Doug is going to do training right here, probably in this room at three to five today. 
Doug used to be a part of Wood's Edge. He was on our staff. He's former FBI, former, <clears throat> former uh, Marine pilot. Um, he's uh, been full-time ministry out of Jacksonville, Florida for some time. He has been trained by the Billy Graham Evangelistic uh, Disaster Relief Team, uh, a, a program, a training that came out of 9-11. He's been trained in it, and he does this. And they have sent him to Houston. And he's going to do it here and another church in the city later this week. This afternoon at 3 o'clock, this is what he's going to train us in. It's, it's, it's kind of it's trauma relief. It is, it is helping people heal. Now, we all need some healing because we're all a little bit reeling. But uh, there are a lot of folks who are in shock. And, and, and as you're dealing with them, as you're talking with them, Doug can give you some specific, hands-on, helpful things to help them in the healing process and bring the love and the hope of Jesus Christ. Some of you are not sure, hey, this afternoon, should I go out and, and clean out a home? Or should I come up and get this training? Well, you know, whatever God leads you to do. But if you get the training, you might be more effective over the next months. Because in two months, you might meet somebody who falls apart at HEB. And when you stop to help and listen, you find out their home was flooded. And that's what this is really about. And you can help them process and heal and deal with it. Three o'clock right here today. So, by the way, Doug, I'm going to stand right here at the end of the service if you want to come ask more about this. So, church... In the midst of tragedy is our greatest opportunity to love people for Christ's sake and to be the church of Jesus Christ. I'm challenged as you are challenged. Man, when I hear about Vanessa Summers, I thought, man, well, I hadn't done anything this week. We don't have to experience guilt. We just need to say, Lord, what do you have for me today? Every time you wake up this week, Lord, what do you have for me today? Some of you going back to work. Some of you going back to school. We get that. But you've got some opportunities to reach out this week. Five principles. This is how we think biblically about disasters and hurricanes for you to drip out in your neighborhood and in your workplace. The Father is still on His throne. The world is bent. God will be faithful every step of the way. Because God is faithful, we can trust Him. A natural disaster is a great kingdom opportunity. Stand with me, church. If you're with somebody that you trust enough to lay a hand on a shoulder and arm, do so. Go ahead. Just reach out. <clears throat> Lord God, we are in this together. We are the church. We are the community. We are the body of Jesus Christ. Would you please, Lord God, help us to be the church and to love people and to reach out. Lord God, we pray for those in our midst who had great loss this week. And we pray for those in our city who had great loss this week for your special grace, encouragement, peace, and provision. Bless them. Bless them. Lord, these are our prayers in Christ's name. Amen.